as uh, we uh, continue in this uh, journey through Acts. And we're really in the last part now. This is the last part of Acts. And the last part uh, of Acts is really Paul's uh, situation in Jerusalem, getting arrested, and then his defenses uh, you know, uh, uh, that he makes, the speeches that he makes on his way to Rome. And at the end of the at the end of the book of Acts, he's in Rome, uh, and uh, and we'll talk you know about that as we as we get there. Uh, and uh, we already saw that um, he knew that he knew in his heart that God was calling him to face hardship and to get arrested so that he could go to Rome because he really wanted to speak to Caesar. Uh, the, the the good news. Uh, and the only way to do that was through hardship. Uh, and it's really kind of interesting because what we're going to see is, he, so he's going to be in Jerusalem now. He's going to get arrested. And ultimately, the, they don't know what to do with him. You know, uh, like they want to let him go. But he insists on not, on not, uh, on not uh, uh, you know, not leaving. Uh, and so it's really kind of interesting, and we'll see that a- along the way. He is resolute in his understanding of what God has called him to. All right, so the last time we saw, uh, you know, people uh, begging him not to go to Jerusalem, right? Because they knew that something really bad was going to happen to him in Jerusalem. He's going to get arrested. He's going to be persecuted. Maybe he'd be killed, you know? You know? And, uh, and, and so they didn't want him to go. But uh, he said, I, this is, I must go. Uh, you know, I, I must go. Uh, clearly, he did not understand the good news as simply um, uh, giving him, uh, you know, just a, a rich, abundant life of goodness and, and uh, serene, uh, you, you know, uh, life and, and so on. Uh, but he knew that he was called uh, for a particular purpose. Uh, and uh, and hardship was indeed a part of it. And uh, I think we always need to be thinking uh, of what Paul said to Timothy. He said that uh, anybody who desires to walk godly will be persecuted. <laughs> that, that in Messiah, you're going to be persecuted at some point, some way, shape, or form, for the sake of the good news. For the sake of the good news. Okay? And, uh, and so that should come, you know, as no surprise. And so uh, here today we're going to read about what happens when he gets to Jerusalem. Now, uh, uh, we need to understand a little bit about what's going on in Jerusalem. So it's the late 50s now in, in, in Jerusalem. Now, you know that the, the timeline is about 10 years after this uh, would be the rebellion, would be you know the rebellion of Israel uh, uh, over Rome. And the end result is that the rebellion is not only squashed, but the temple is destroyed and all the Jews are kicked out of Jerusalem. Okay, I mean, it was a mess. But it had taken a long time to reach that point. And by the time we get to this time period, there were two very... um, uh, uh, There there was um, uh, a lot of enthusiasm for two different things. One was uh, maybe the Messiah will come, you know, because things are getting so bad and 
uh, and, uh, and we see that, that you know, there's going to be this rebellion against Rome, that maybe the Messiah will come, right? So messianic fervor. The other one was an anti-Rome fervor, okay? An anti-Rome fervor, uh, uh, and you had um, an extremist group, uh, and even one of them was uh, turned out to be an apostle, uh, you know, which is another story for another day. Uh, but there was a group called Zealots. Zealots. And this wasn't just a description of enthusiastic people. Uh, this was a party, uh, like a political, a Jewish political party, the Zealots. Uh, and they uh, believed very much uh, that uh, we, need, we need to overthrow Rome. And we need to take every opportunity to kill a Roman whenever there's an opportunity. And, and uh, you know the story that there was a group of them that, that they had this uh, thing where they would, they would carry these uh, long knives and wear long coats, and they would, like, cozy up to, like, some Roman soldier or something, you know, and, uh, and, and give it to them. That's, you know. But this also morphed into something else, an anti-Gentile hostility as well. Not only, it, not only was it just uh, uh, anti-Rome, but also an anti-Gentile hostility. Now, this was not everyone in Jerusalem, but uh, you, you had this kind of thing going on. Uh, and, uh, and so then you have also, in the middle of it, in the middle of it, you have, you have the, uh, the sect, you have the, you have the Sadducees, you have the Pharisees, uh, you have the Essenes who kind of decided, you know, it's so bad in Jerusalem that we're going out into the wilderness and and uh, maybe then the Messiah will come. And then you had the way, the Nazareans, right? Uh, who were in Jerusalem, who believed that the Messiah had indeed come, uh, and uh, were part of the, uh, part of the mix of, of Jewish people. And uh, at this time, uh, they were not, uh, um, I would say, there was a general kind of maybe you know, negative view of them, but they were not ostracized uh, uh, at, at this time. That did not yet really uh, uh, happen in Jerusalem so much uh, yet. Uh, now, of course, you did have, just like, uh, you know, Yeshua uh, had uh, the, um, you know, the, you had a, a polemical argument with the, with the Pharisees and the Sadducees and the Sanhedrin. So you had that, you had you had that going on. Uh, you would we would never want to say uh, that uh, the Jewish believers in Jerusalem were just part and parcel of everything going on. They they did stand out. Uh, uh, you know they were uh, uh, ostracized, um, but they did have access to the temple and they did um, participate in Jewish life. You know. Uh, and so, you know, it's a very interesting study to study the relationship of the sects uh, in, um, you know, in the Jewish world. In fact, even in the book of Acts, the Jewish believers are called a sect. S-E-C-T, they're called a sect. So that means, by using that term, it means that they were understood to be part of the Jewish world, you know, part of the Jewish world, but being different from the Pharisees, being different from the Sadducees, being different from the, the Essenes. And the difference was really, if you wanted to boil it all down, the difference was the person of Yeshua. The difference was 
Yeshua being the Messiah. Not so much like the lifestyle of the people or uh, you know, when they worshipped and or their Jewish identity, but it was the person of, of Yeshua. Okay? All right. So now, I, having said that, we come to the situation that uh, we have in chapter, in, in chapter 21. All right. So here we, we talked about uh, Paul making the journey to Jerusalem. So beginning in verse 15, it says, And after these days, we got ready and started on our way up to Jerusalem. And some of the disciples from Caesarea also came with us, taking with us Nasom uh, of Cyprus, a disciple of long standing with whom we were to lodge, probably a Hellenistic uh, Jew who lived in, uh, who lived in um, Jerusalem. And when we had come to Jerusalem, the brethren received us, uh, received us uh, uh, gladly. And uh, the brethren is, uh, we don't know exactly who the brethren are, but it might have been a group of Hellenistic Jews that like are being described in these uh, previous verses, or just uh, people that Paul had associated with. You know, he had an, he had an entourage and he had people everywhere. Uh, and so uh, they received him and, and that's where he stayed. Uh, and then we read, and now the following day, Paul went in with us to James, and all the elders were present. Okay, so now we see he goes to see James. James uh, is the leader of the congregation at Jerusalem. James is really, uh, probably at this time, still the most influential person. I, I, in, in the decision-making of the body of Messiah. If you go back to chapter 15, right, I, which I was perhaps a decade earlier than this, I, that it was uh, uh, James who made the decision uh, about that Gentiles do not need to be circumcised. Gentiles do not need to become Jews in order to, uh, you know, embrace uh, the Messiah. Uh, And that's going to actually come up in this chapter also. Uh, The main thing is is that they could uh, certainly believe in the God of Israel uh, and come come into what we might call the commonwealth of Israel, not uh, become Jewish, uh, in like what we would call like a converting to Judaism in modern terminology, uh, but uh, that uh, they would remain in their identity of whatever their identity, whatever their ethnic identity was, and that was very very important uh, to, to to recognize, right? Uh, and that is why, like in Ephesians, Paul talks about the middle wall of partition being broken down. Uh, Gentiles are brought in where he says in 1 Corinthians, remain the way you're called, and, and, and so on. But that there's a, 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 a real uh, unity coming under the headship of the, of the Messiah. All right. Uh, and, uh, and so James uh, understood all this, and James embraced all that, uh, you know, uh, no doubt. Now, when it says here that uh, he came, uh, let's see, uh, now... And now the following day, he went into James, yeah, and all the elders were present. 
Now, all the apostles were not there. We don't want to get that, that idea. Oh, they, they were scattered around. They, were, they had left Jerusalem uh, and were everywhere, you know, from Egypt to Syria to Europe and Asia and, uh, you know, and, and so on. So he's coming to James and to the, and to the leaders of, this con- of the congregation at Jerusalem. Beth Messiah, Jerusalem. Uh, the corporate headquarters of uh, Beth Messiah Inc. Okay, uh, and uh, and so uh, he it says, and after he had greeted them, he began to relate one by one the things which God had done among the Gentiles through his ministry. So he begins to tell them about the congregations, uh, you know, that had been founded and how the word of God is reaching uh, the nations, you know, and remember that their perspective is Yeshua is the Messiah. That means the Messiah of Israel and the nations, and Israel is called to be a witness to the nations. And so the fact that the, that Gentiles are coming to believe is, is sort of like proof positive that, wow, this is really happening. You know, it's like the beginning of the end that the, the nations are hearing, hearing the message. Uh, and, and, and so they're all happy about it, you know, hearing uh, what God is doing among the nations. And he says one by one, you can only imagine how long that must have taken, uh, right? Uh, remember that he, uh, we read uh, just above here uh, in the last chapter how he had uh, spoken for an excessively long period of time. Uh, and um, so there you go. You know, uh, I'll just say this, you know, Yesterday, I had the opportunity uh, to speak to a, uh, a group of healthcare providers. It was very, really very interesting. It was a real blessing to do so. And I told them that I, I, I wrote it out. And I said, the reason I wrote it out uh, is because if you, uh, you know, if you attend a place of worship, uh, you probably realize that someone like me can go on forever, right? So that's why I wrote it out. So I said, weddings, funerals, and special talks. Right. Okay. Uh, but here, just a few notes. Okay. <laughs> so anyway, anyway, so he went in uh, and began to relate one by one the things which God had done among the Gentiles through his ministry. And when they had heard it, they began glorifying God. You know, like they were happy about it. This was a, this was a good thing. We should never get the idea that there was this division uh, between Paul and James, between uh, the ministry of reaching uh, the Gentiles and reaching Israel, uh, that, that, that there was no division, but there was an understanding of varieties of callings and purposes. And that should be very important, uh, you know, uh, to us. There's a lesson in that, in that not everybody is called to the same thing. So you may be uh, talking about uh, you know, Beth Messiah or uh, a Messianic uh, a congregation or this. And, and you may be wondering, how come the person I'm talking to, uh, you know, at my job or my next door neighbor isn't as excited as I am about this? Well, it d- doesn't mean that, that necessarily they don't care. Or it doesn't mean anything. Uh, but not everybody uh, is called exactly to the same way. There are all kinds of ministries out there that People speak to me passionately about that we need to support or we're not this or that. Let me tell you. 
Uh, you know, but not everybody's, it might be, a, you know, here's a nice little phrase uh, that, that I learned. Some things are a really good thing, but they just may not be our thing. That'd be a good thing, but they might not be our thing. You can't all do everything, right? Uh, and, uh, and so, you know, I, uh, very important. So uh, Paul and the congregation in uh, Jerusalem, uh, they were excited about what God was doing among the nations. All right. Uh, and, uh, and then we read this. So when they had heard, uh, they began glorifying God. And they said to him, you see, brother, how many thousands there are among the Jews of who have believed, and they are all zealous uh, for the Torah. So it's so, you can just see how this conversation goes, right? So Paul is telling them all the great things going on out there, and they're saying, yes, that's wonderful. And let us tell you about all the great things going on here. And what was going on there is that thousands of Jews are coming to believe and that they are not, uh, 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 that uh, they are, they are, they're living well as Jews. They are, uh, they are uh, zealous for the Torah. Now, what does that not mean? Okay. It doesn't mean, and look how legalistic they are, right? Uh, you'd be surprised it, it, just the, the perspective of most commentaries on the things going on here that are seen so much as like weakness or they didn't quite get it yet or they weren't all the way there or, oh my goodness. Uh, but that's not it at all. Uh, what he's saying is they're strong believers. <laughs> it's like, that's what he's saying. They're strong believers in Yeshua and they are faithful to the word of God. That is what he's saying, uh, you know? Uh, so they're faithful to the uh, to the Torah, the, to their unique covenant calling uh, as Israel. So isn't it a marvelous thing that there are thousands of Jews coming to believe, believe in the Messiah, uh, and living as the remnant of Israel ought to, and that there are multitudes of Gentiles coming to believe in different parts of the world, you know, the world at that time, and isn't it a marvelous thing? Okay? So, I, very, very important. So we learn, we learn something very important about what's going on in Jerusalem. We learn that this congregation is flourishing in the midst of difficulty. So that's why it is important to recognize that, yes, they were part of the Jewish world, but they were, uh, you know, viewed kind of like the way Yeshua was viewed. <laughs> you know, they're, they're uh, a messianic uh, a community. And so certainly there was, uh, there was uh, ostracism, persecution, whatever it is taking place. Uh, but it didn't have so much to do with Jewish identity as it did with, is Yeshua the Messiah uh, or, uh, you know, or not? Uh, and so in Jerusalem at this time, again, there were all kinds of Jewish views about lots of things. It wasn't as monolithic as it is today. You know, it was very, uh, th there were uh, all kinds of Jewish views. And so this was one of those Jewish, uh, Jewish views. Okay. 
I, and, but we can never forget that the congregation is an extension of Yeshua, and we know how Yeshua was treated, and so we have to take that into consideration, right? But the congregation was flourishing, and that Jews were coming to faith, uh, you know, in, in the Messiah, thousands, uh, and uh, zealous for the uh, uh, Torah. Okay, so that's all good, right? But now something, there's an issue that has to be addressed. And this comes under the heading of the more things change, the more they stay the same. All right, because it could have been written yesterday. I, I, because the issue is, is really the same. So what we read here now is, okay, so, so uh, James says, you see, brother, how many thousands there are among the Jews of those who have believed that they are all zealous for the, the Torah. Now, by the way, I, I want to say one more little thing because we need to dispel something else. And that is, is just as James and the elders were glorifying God and were excited uh, about what was happening among the nations, may I suggest that Paul was glorifying God and excited about what was happening in Jerusalem. The thousands of Jews were coming to believe, zealous for the Torah. We must always remember that Paul was not anti-Torah. <laughs> I mean, that is so ingrained. I, I, I don't know if we'll ever totally get over that. <laughs> you, you know what I mean? Uh, that, that he was not anti-Torah. When you read the book of Acts, we certainly don't get that idea. In fact, he wanted to be in Jerusalem for Shavuot, right? And we previously have read about him uh, taking a vow. We previously have read about him uh, celebrating Passover and just, you know, all those kind of uh, um, uh, traditional understandings of, of a person who understands themselves uh, as, a, uh, as a Jewish person. When Paul was ministering to the Gentiles, his message was not, you have to become a Messianic Jew. That was not his message. <laughs> okay? Uh, his message to the nations was not, you better take on like a Jewish identity or live Jewishly. That was not his message. His message was embrace Messiah for the, you know, uh, the salvation from your sins. But he himself... I, you know, lived uh, uh, Jewishly. So in other words, his message was not his life, another, about his life. In other words, the message was Yeshua. The message wasn't, let me tell you about me. The message was, let me tell you about Yeshua. Now there's a big challenge for us, right? That sharing the good news is not, let me tell you about me. It, it, now me, hopefully, is the testimony of the change he's made in my life, you know, but it's all about him. Uh, very, very important here. Uh, and, and so, uh, uh, so they're all glorifying God. But there's an issue. There is a misunderstanding that has to be dealt with here. And it has been the same for 2, 000, approximately 2,100 years. Okay? All right. So, okay. You see, brother, how many thousands are there are among the Jews of those who have believed, and they are all zealous for the law. And they have been told about you that you are teaching all the Jews who are among the Gentiles to forsake Moses, telling them not to circumcise their children nor to walk according to the customs. Okay, so there is this word out about Paul among 
the brethren and among the, just the word out about him. And that is, is that he is telling, basically, he's telling Jews not to circumcise their, their children. And that therefore their covenant relationship with God doesn't really mean anything anymore. And on top of it, that if Jews don't circumcise their children and Gentiles are being invited in, that this is not something that's Jewish anymore. This is not something that is, you know, uh, can be considered really what a sect is or a part of any kind of Jewish identity. And so therefore, what, they're, what he's really saying is, Paul, they're, they're saying you're an apostate to, to, the, to the Jewish belief in the God of Israel, okay? Circumcision uh, uh, is one of the most uh, important rites, R-I-T-E-S, uh, then and now in the Jewish world. Then, I mean, if you read, uh, even in the rabbinic, the rabbinic literature, uh, that is a rather you should die than not uh, circumcise your sons, you know? And uh, this was a big issue, by the way, in the Maccabean era, right? Uh, this was huge. Uh, this, led, uh, uh, this led to really, for all intents and purposes, a civil war uh, in Israel uh, earlier on. Uh, and uh, this issue given the fact of what's going on in Jerusalem, was huge. That, you know, here we're, we are here in Jerusalem and the Romans are beating down on us and Paul is out there watering down and changing the whole thing, telling Jews not to be Jews anymore and then inviting Gentiles in to be whatever this thing is. And that is exactly what we hear. That's exactly what we hear. That what is this thing? You know, it's not really a Jewish thing because you have Gentiles coming. Who ever heard of a synagogue that has Gentile members? How could that, how could that be? How could this be a Jewish thing? And then, of course, you know, it's that Paul who made Jesus into a god uh, and, uh, you know, in this whole pagan thing. Uh, and, uh, you know, and you don't really, you're not really Jewish uh, anymore, you know. You may call yourself, you may, you know, usually uh, what we hear is it's a ploy that you're using Jewish identity uh, as like you're going fishing and putting Jewish identity at the end of the, uh, you know, on the hook, right? And you're going fishing for Jews, using Jewish identity as uh, something for them to bite onto. And then you reel them in, Right? Because you can't be what you really are. That's, you know. And really what that is, is a response to 21 centuries of this misunderstanding. That basically where, may I suggest, where do Jews, Jewish leaders, people that teach that, where do they get that from? Where do they get it from? They get it from the history of the church. And they can quote lots of, uh, lots of uh, church, uh, uh, you know, uh, leaders, uh, bishops, fathers, pastors, whoever it might be. And that's where Jewish people get this information from. It's not that they've done some 
the scholarly research and came to a wrong conclusion. That may be sometimes, but the other 99.9% uh, get it from what they've heard about like Christianity. That's what Christians teach. And then they'll quote somebody, see, this is what Christians teach. Uh, and that's why, frankly, it is a miracle. You know, it's a miracle when anybody really comes to believe. But for a Jewish person to be convicted of the truth of Yeshua in all that mess is really, uh, I mean, that is really miraculous. You know, that, uh, well, I, you know, knowing that, because, you know, you really, uh, for a Jewish believer, you have to, you're, you're counting the costs from day one. It's not just along the way I, I received some persecution and now I really have to really come to terms with it. But it's like from before you actually embrace Yeshua, you have to come to terms with, this is not going to be popular. My family, in, in older generations, you don't see it as much anymore, but my family might disown me, have nothing to do with me, and that, you know, it, it comes from rooted in this very same misunderstanding, okay? So Paul understood this. Uh, he, he understood it. He was a Jew. He understood that obviously that's not what I'm teaching, right? Uh, and yes, uh, you know, I, I, something needs to be done about this. And I'm going to suggest that, that in other words, what Paul is going to do is, okay, let me show them who I really am. Not, okay, I'll be all things to all men, so I'll do this thing. Okay, there's a big difference between those things. Now you may be saying, oh, wait, I'm confused. I don't know what you're talking about. All right, let's read this passage and then we'll understand. All right, so what do they do about this? Okay, I, okay so verse 22. So what is to be done? They will certainly hear that you've come. So now James is also thinking, this is going to really mess us up, uh, uh, Paul. You know, we, we certainly don't teach that. And we know that you don't teach that. But we have to do something so that the entire movement is not completely misunderstood, even here in Jerusalem. Not just you, but all of us here in Jerusalem. See, that's why it's important for us to heal a fractured gospel, <laughs> uh, uh, frankly. Uh, because uh, even though you know we don't teach uh, some of those things out there, that we become associated with it. And that's what James is thinking. We don't want to be associated with, with the misunderstanding that they're having with you. So we need to do something about this. Now, this is what they're going to do. All right. In verse 23, Therefore, do this that we tell you. We have four men who are under a vow. Probably a Nazarite vow. Nobody knows for sure. Take them and purify yourself along with them. Now the reason he says purify yourself is because he's been out of um, he's been out of Jerusalem, he's been out of Judea, he's been in the pagan world, and this is basically what you would do if you were coming coming back. Okay, all right. So he says, uh, purify yourself along with them and pay their expenses, in order that they may shave their heads, and all will know there is nothing to the things that they have been told about you. Now, paying the uh, paying their expenses would, was really like um, 
in, in a way, it was sort of like an offering of, of sorts. Okay? And it was considered in the Jewish world to do that for someone was like a mitzvah. Like this was a, like, like a, a really great um, thing you're doing before God would be to pay this, you know? Uh, and, and so it was not something that would be uh, completely out of the ordinary, but it was understood to be like a really, this was a real mitzvah, a real testimony, one, one might say, all right? Okay. But that you yourself also walk orderly, uh, keeping the, you know, uh, keeping the, the Torah, okay? I, okay, let's stop there for a second. So, so I, uh, this is the plan. Now, this is what I mean when I say he wasn't doing this for the sake of being all things to all people. He was doing this because this is who he really was. In other words, in most commentaries, God bless them, they're not bad people, and it's not, you know, they have a lot of good things to say. But you can't help the egg that you come out of, okay? Uh, it's true, you, you, know, you know, the perspective that you have. And so the perspective is, is that uh, law is legal, Torah is legalism, and therefore it's like a negative and now that the new faith has started, right, and Paul is a leader of the new faith, that this is like uh, the, everything going on in Jerusalem is uh, of no use. And so by doing this, he's sort of condescending a little bit, you know, to the need of the moment. Uh, he's uh, just like he would, you know, just like when he would visit and be with uh, people who had been pagans. He doesn't make that an issue between him and them. And the way that most people understand this passage is that the best way to say it maybe is that it's, it, that it, it was, uh, you know, he versus them and that he was not one of them anymore now that he believes in Yeshua. But he was them. And so the reason he does these things was not just simply, I'm going to do something that I really, that, you know, I'm just going to do it uh, for the sake, of, you know, but it's who he really was. So what James is saying is, you know, you're a Jew. Show yourself to be who you are. And so do these things. Purify yourself, pay the expenses, go into the temple so that they can see, you know, uh, your heart and who you, and who you are in Messiah. It would be like us saying, you know, uh, it wouldn't be a bad thing, uh, you know, to go uh, to one of the local synagogues on a holiday and, and be there and, and uh, for people to see that, well, I'm a Messianic Jew and, uh, you know, that I, I, uh, I'm a good citizen in the Jewish community and part, part of the Jewish community. The, way, the best way to show you're part of the Jewish community is to be part of the Jewish community, Okay not just to teach about being on part of the Jewish community, but be part of the Jewish community. That's the best way to do that, right? Uh, and, uh, and so that's what he's doing. He's, he's being a good testimony of a Messianic Jew, you know, of who he really is, all right? And so uh, this, is, this is what he does. This is, this is what he does. I can't tell you. I mean, I was going to read it, but then, I, you know, sometimes it's fueling, the, fueling a negative fire, and I don't want to do that. Uh, but I can't, I, I could tell you, this, like, commentary is written by people that I'm really surprised at, that simply view it as, 
you know, I, Paul is not under the law, and so really it's not a good thing to do, but he's doing it anyway. That is like what everybody writes. Even like some Jewish believers I, have written that. But that is not it at all. He's showing him for who he really is. This is a great passage for us that validates who we are. Uh-oh. Okay. But then he says, but concerning the Gentiles who have believed, we, we wrote, having decided that they should abstain from meat sacrificed to idols and blood and from what is strangled and from fornication. So he's saying that, you know, uh, James is saying, and, and of course, we don't expect Gentiles to do these things. We have no expectation that Gentiles will do these. Remember the letter, the encyclical letter that we uh, all signed there, starting with Alexander Hamilton, right there. You know that we all signed in, uh, you know, uh, uh, back when when we had that big conclave, right? That's still the case. That's still the case. But they need to see that you, Paul, are who you really are, and that you're not teaching that. But isn't it amazing that? It, but most people believe that that's exactly what Paul. What Paul was teaching, that uh, when you read Galatians or when you read uh, other passages, you see this is what he's teaching. But what we don't realize is that those letters were not written to Jewish believers. You know, you got to read the book of Hebrews. You got to read the book of James, uh, you know, and the book of Acts to really understand what was being written to Jewish believers at the time having to do with Jewish identity. identity. Okay. Uh, and, uh, and so... I, I, we see here that it says, uh, then I just so I can get this to the end of this section. Uh, then Paul took the men and the next day, purifying himself along with them, went into the temple, giving notice of the completion of the days of purification until the sacrifice was offered for each one of them. And then the seven days were almost over. The Jews from Asia, upon seeing him in the temple, began to stir up the multitude and laid hands on him, uh, crying out, Men of Israel, come to our aid. This is the man who preaches to all men everywhere against our people and the law and this place. And besides, he has even brought Greeks into the temple and has defiled the holy place. And then they point out Trophimus the Ephesian, who they saw with him. So, just to finish up here, because it's going to be a few weeks before we get back to this, Right? So the accusation succinctly is he's speaking against Israel, against our people, against the Torah, and against the temple. That is the caricature of Paul. And that is why we have to ask the question today, how is it good news for Israel if Christian preaching is against Israel, against the Torah, and against the temple, and I will say today, and definitely this place being and against the land of Israel. How is this good? How, well, you know, why would I want to believe this? <laughs> you, you, you know? Uh, and, uh, and so we see this is what was going on then, and it still continues to this day. All the more reason for us to be really true to who we are as a Messianic Jewish community. All the more reason that we need Jews in a Messianic Jewish community. I, and I just want to say, and, and Gentiles, but you know what? When I look around the room, we don't have to worry that much about, do we have enough Gentiles? We do, yes, and more. It's great. We need more. That's fantastic. 
But, you know, I, when I look around the room, may I just suggest we need to pray that more Jewish Messiah followers uh, might, uh, to be, might want to be a little more zealous uh, for the Torah, uh, right? Uh, and that we can be that kind of, of uh, a testimony of a congregation of, yes, many people from the nations. It's marvelous and wonderful and fantastic, but it would be great to have some Jews around. Uh, in a Messianic Jewish congregation. Uh, and, uh, and so we still deal with that very same, uh, that very same thing. And so may we be encouraged, uh, you know, in our testimony and in the things that, that, that we engage in and the things that we do in our communal life and, and all of that. It's bigger than ourselves. It's bigger than I don't like this and I don't like that and and, you know, you hurt my feelings, so I'm not coming anymore. There's a bigger thing going on, <laughs> okay? I, you know, that we need to recognize. There is no other voice in central Ohio like this one. Yes, there are groups of people that enjoy the Jewish roots of the faith and things of that nature, and God bless them. It's all good. It's all good. But an authentic Messianic Jewish voice, that comes from here. And that is something we must guard, and that is something that we must testify so that we can dispel this misunderstanding, not only in the Jewish community, but in the Christian community, in the community at large. We have a very important voice that needs to be heard from the margins, but a very important voice that needs to be heard, just like what we see here. All right, so we're going to stop here. Uh, and. Uh, you're saying, see, you should have written it out. <laughs> you would have ended 20 minutes ago. I know. All right, let's pray. Uh, Lord, uh, God, uh, thank you, uh, God, for this great reminder, you know, of who we are and of our calling and, and uh, God. And so we just pray, Lord, that, you know, for so many years we've been here. God, we pray uh, that you would continue the, the great work that you've begun here. And it would continue, Lord. And we pray, God, that you would invigorate all of us who are here and all of us who are part of Beth Messiah to keep moving forward and, and, and to stoke that vision, uh, Lord, and dispel the things that are not right, uh, Lord, and, and present to our community, the Jewish community, who Yeshua really is and that it re he really is good news. And uh, God, we pray, uh, uh, Lord, for new generations to fill the seats at Beth Messiah. God, we pray, God, for another, you know, 45 years uh, beyond ourselves, uh, uh, God, uh, and that we might have, you know, a, a real vision, not just for today, but a vision for tomorrow, a vision for, indeed, the future. And we thank you, God, for these words, uh, and may we you know, may they truly invigorate us and motivate us to serve. We pray in Messiah's name.